0: So in a moment, Ian is going to come and speak to us. Before that, uh, very, a big thank you to Trinity, who's going to read our Bible passage this morning. So over to you, Trinity. Morning,
1: everyone. Our reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. The title is, is A Call to Persevere in Faith. Therefore, brothers and sisters we profess for he who promises faithful, and let us consider how we may may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, and some are in the habits of doing, but encouraging one another, and all these, and all the more, as you can see, the day approaching.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm sorry to start on a sort of downbeat note, but I'm going to sort of talk about initially the uh, times that we're in. And I think, don't think you will find many people who would disagree that we are living in tough times. For some, the times are tough physically, hospital nurses or doctors working long hours, particularly those looking after COVID patients, parents who are homeschooling their children, while trying to work from home themselves. Delivery people um, overwhelmed with so many online orders. For some, the times are tough mentally and emotionally, not being able to meet with other people. Retail workers or public servants like the police being got at by people who won't stick to lockdown restrictions. And it can be tough, um, has been tough, I think, to deal with what has seemed the almost relentless um, bad news coming through the media, or perhaps even bad news that we encounter much closer to home. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament was written to a group, group of Christians who were going through tough times. Tough times because they were being persecuted for their faith. And their trials and troubles had an impact on their faith. It made them wonder if being a Christian was really worth it. Wouldn't it be better just to pack it all in? Although the trials and troubles of those Christians were almost certainly different from our own trials and troubles at this time, I think that our trials and troubles can impact our faith too. It can seem easier to give up than to keep going. We can get tired of making an effort We live in a society that doesn't share our beliefs and often mocks them. And that can cause us a loss of confidence in our faith. We can be discouraged by the behaviour of other Christians that we hear about or read about. We can even be affected by the fear of dying, perhaps not by death itself but the process of dying. So what was written to those Christians in the book of Hebrews, I believe, could well be relevant for our own circumstances. And God willing, over the next few weeks in the talks at NCBC, we're going to look at some of what the book of Hebrews says. And we're going to do it um, in this way. Often in Hebrews, the writer calls upon his readers, he exhorts them, to join him or her, we don't know who wrote the, uh, uh, the book, but he, uh, they call on um, the readers to do certain things with the phrase, let us. In fact, there's so much lettuce that it seems like a green salad. You know, have you heard of honeymoon salad? Let us alone? Well, it's not quite, let, uh, that's not quite all that Hebrews says, but there are a lot of let us statements. There are a lot of them in the passage that Trinity read. Let us draw near to God. Let us encourage one another, and so on. So the way we're going to look at bits of the book of Hebrews are to look at some of those let us statements under the general heading that comes in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. When in a time of trial or trouble, or when we're tempted to go a different way to the way of Christ, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. A good thing to do, because our faith, as I hope we shall see as we go along, is worth holding to firmly. But how? How do we hold firmly to our faith? Well, here's what I see as a start. You need to weigh up, so whether I've got it right or not. Here are some of the ways in which we can hold firmly to the faith we profess. So I've done it under three headings, looking back, looking up, and looking forward. So first of all, looking back. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we read this. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard. The writer to Hebrews uses a lot of Old Testament uh, part, the Old Testament part of the Bible to encourage his readers, even warn them of danger. But when in chapter 2, verse 1, he says he speaks about paying more careful attention to what they've heard, he's thinking of the message of the good news that came first from Jesus himself and then preached by those who heard Jesus and sat under his ministry. It's the message that we have in the New Testament part of our Bibles. Here, I believe, is a call for us to look back to the earthly ministry of Jesus as it's recorded, particularly in the Gospels, but in the rest of the New Testament too, to understand better the humanity of Jesus, to understand his sufferings. Something that comes over in more than one passage in Hebrews. This, for instance, is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God should make the pioneer of their salvation, that's Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Seeking to understand Jesus as the pioneer of, Of our suffering, the one who's gone on before, sort of forging a way ahead for us to follow. But that way was a way that involved suffering and even death. When we are in troubled times, troubled because of suffering, we can look at the life of Jesus who experienced suffering himself who wasn't cocooned away from it. If you read the Gospels carefully, you will see that. When we are troubled, distraught and ashamed by the the behaviour of some others who call themselves Christians, let's look away from them and think about Jesus, who was tempted, yet was without sin. It's very easy to take for granted things that I should be thankful about, isn't it? When I was at um, London Bible College, I was there for a short while, I was privileged to to hear a chap called Dr. Peter Cottrell. He was a missionary, had been a missionary in Ethiopia. And one thing he said, it was just as as an aside but it stuck with me because he said about we should be thankful for being able to keep clean and so I've listed some of the things that I take for granted that I should be thankful for. Clean water on tap, enough food and more to eat, a warm home my rubbish being collected and taken away, living in a society that by and large is peaceful, good neighbours and friends, a good health service. Of course, throughout our world, lots of people are not so fortunate as that, and I need to look out for those who are, do what I can to put it right. But here's another thing it's easy for me to take for granted, that I have... A Bible that I can pick up and read when I want to. In fact, I've got more than one Bible. And I've got books explaining in the background to the Bible, helping me to understand it and apply it to my life. I'm just so fortunate. Now, I know that when preachers like me seek to apply their message it may come down to um, sound like all we're saying is read the Bible more and pray more. And I know it's easy to send people, particularly those who are already very busy, on a guilt trip. And I'm really anxious not to do it. So to those people, I just want to say this. Do what you can. Don't be comparing yourself with others who aren't so pressured time-wise as you are, maybe just try and read a few verses at a time. But to those who do have more time, do try to understand the gospel better, to pay more careful attention to what we've heard. There's so many helps to do that. Bible notes and books. If you're in Norwich, uh, there's the Christian Resource Centre that Kathy in the Week reminded us uh, to make use of once it's open again. Go and see what's available there. The Bible Speaks Today series is really good in explaining the Bible. If you're more of an online person, Alan was recommending me uh, um, about a week ago. He was recommending the talks of John Mark Combe. Is that right, Alan? It's giving me a nod there. Good. Give those a look. But don't just read what other people have written and listen to what they say. Do read the Bible yourself. Keep paying most careful attention. So looking back in the sense that the Bible was written long ago, and yet so often it seems bang up to date. But also looking back to times when we have particularly experienced the presence of God or have no answered prayer. In verse 4 of chapter 2 of Hebrews, the writer reminds his readers of how God worked among them when they first heard the gospel by performing all kinds of miracles and wonders and by distributing the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Now, our own experience might not be quite so spectacular as those early Christians. I don't think that makes it less genuine. But are we able to look back to times when we've seen God at work within our own lives, when God's presence has seemed particularly real, or when prayer has been answered in a particularly special way. So the first thing to help us hold firmly to our faith is to look back, to pay most careful attention to the earthly ministry of Jesus and to remember from our own experience the reality of our God. The second way in which we can hold firmly to our faith, is to look up. We've looked at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Now it's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, we confess. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Consider him. Think carefully about him. That's how other translations of that verse put it. And this is how the message translation puts it. Take a good, hard look at Jesus. He's the centrepiece of everything we believe. That surely is the overall message of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the centrepiece of everything we believe. So take a good, hard look at him. Fix your thoughts on him. Seek to understand who he is, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, yet coming into our world that was created through him to share in our human experience, in our sufferings, even to die, dealing with our sins, I suppose that's the looking back, but seeking too, to understand his ministry now, ascended to the Father, risen Lord, look up. Many of you will have come across the hymn, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. It's written by uh, the uh, same person, the ex-slave trader, Um john newton same person who wrote amazing grace one of the verses of how sweet the name of jesus sounds captures something of the greatness and the many faceted identity of jesus that verse goes like this jesus my shepherd brother friend my prophet priest, and king. My Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. And even all those titles don't exhaust who Jesus is. Hebrews, for instance, also speaks of Jesus Jesus as the apostle and pioneer of our faith. But how? How do we fix our thoughts on Jesus? Well, That would be a good question for us to think about and discuss if you're part of a contact group that's meeting online. But here's one other suggestion why not take a look at that hymn, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, and think about the different titles it gives to Jesus? For instance, Brother. Did you know that you're part of the family? of which Jesus is our older brother. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 10 onwards. But how does that impact on our lives? Well, what would it be like to have a really good older brother? If you've got an older brother, um, they won't be been perfect, but you've got a better older brother than that. You've got Jesus, a really good, a perfect older brother, looking out for his younger brothers and sisters. And what about shepherd? Jesus, my shepherd. In a, um, our society, where, or in, in our city, perhaps we're not familiar with rural images, but do we get to, how would a shepherd, how does a shepherd really care for his sheep? Jesus is our shepherd. So look firmly, hold on firmly to our faith. Look back to the New Testament, to our own experience. Look up at Jesus in the most holy place. And thirdly, look forward. Look forward to a wonderful future. Amongst the nearly half a dozen, let us exhortations in hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 25 is this one in verse 23 let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess now generally when we speak about hope we mean something that we wish would happen but we're not quite sure will if you're an England fan, you might be hoping that their, the rugby team will do better than they did yesterday and that the t- cricket team will bounce back after their uh, awful performance in the last test. If you're a Spurs fan, you might be hoping, you will be hoping, that eventually this season they will win a trophy. I'm hoping that I'll be able to go on a holiday that we planned last year to Scotland, and so on. Things we want to happen, but we can't be sure that they will. But hope in the New Testament's much more certain than that. It's looking forward to something that we are sure will happen, but is yet unseen and unfulfilled. The hope we have as Christians is described in the Bible in many different ways. Here are some of them. Listen carefully. We have a priceless inheritance kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. We shall be like Jesus, for we shall see him, as he is. We can look forward to the redemption of our bodies, the resurrection. Creation will be liberated. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no more death or crying or pain. We have the life of the age to come, eternal life, when God himself will live with us. All these things go towards making up the hope that we have as Christians. If you want the Bible references for them, I've uh, sent over an email that I hope Lynn will be able to send out from the NCBC office when she sends out the verse of the week, so that you can see those references. But if they are unseen, what guarantee do we have that they will happen? First of all, the guarantee of the faithfulness of God. A few minutes ago, I quoted the first part of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. But the sentence doesn't end there. It goes on like this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The hope we have is guaranteed by a faithful God. The God who was faithful to Abraham in giving him a son, Isaac. Who was faithful to the Israelites in bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. Who was faithful in sending Jesus into our world as the servant king who was faithful in sending the promised Holy Spirit, our hope is guaranteed by the faithfulness of God. A hope that's also guaranteed by Jesus, who, as the pioneer of our faith, was raised from death and has ascended to be with God the Father in heaven and who now intercedes for us. And thirdly, a hope that's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit within us. Listen to these words from Paul's second letter to Corinthians. This is chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, verses 21 and 22. It is God that makes both us and you stand firm in, in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Our hope, an unseen reality, is guaranteed by a faithful father, a risen and ascended son, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Earlier on, I picked up on some words from chapter 2 of Hebrews the end of the verse that i quoted about paying careful attention to what we've heard spoke about the danger of drifting away from our christian faith what can keep us from drifting away like a boat that needs an anchor to make sure it doesn't drift on the current Or in a prevailing wind. So we need an anchor to stop us from drifting away. We have an anchor. Our hope is an anchor. Is that anchor. Here's Hebrews chapter 6 verses 8 and 9. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Now, I'm not a climber, but apparently you don't just need anchors for boats. You need them too for rock climbing. An anchor above you, above where you're climbing, so that if you do slip, you don't fall too far. It needs to be safe and secure, like these in the pictures on the screen. Maybe that's an even better illustration than a sea anchor, because we tend to picture heaven above us, and that's where Jesus has gone before, into the inner sanctuary where God is. Our anchor is there, so that Jesus can pull us up. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus has entered on our behalf. So the writer to Hebrews calls us to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. We can do that by seeking to understand more of what the Christian hope is. It may be a lot bigger than we had realised. So to finish, just let me quickly rewind. The writer to Hebrews and God through him urges his readers, urges us to hold firmly to the hope so hold firmly to the faith we profess. What will help us do that? Looking back, giving careful attention to the earthly ministry of Jesus. Remembering what we have experienced of God's love and goodness. Looking up, take a good hard look at Jesus and all that he is. And his ministry now in heaven interceding for us. And looking forward to the wonderful hope guaranteed by God, the faithful Father, God, the Son who came, and God, the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Amen.